This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We're the old ten. We're the old ten. We meet on Saturday with the old ten, with the old ten. We go to see the villa play. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, your host and editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me for this special 40 points celebration episode of the My Old Man Said podcast, Mr. Chris Budd. I hope you've brought your kazoo. We're safe. <laughs> it's official. Hello. It's, it's official. <laughs> we can uh, we can be cheery now. This is the only objective we had, isn't it, for the Let's whole season? Let's set the bar low. Well, that's, that's the only objective we had. We had to survive, and that's it. We can uh, on sack the it beach, off. my lord. On the <laughs> beach, sack the season off now. We can get on with. Have we got any other hobbies? I don't know. I'll have to find one quickly. Cricket. So, as well as, well as Villa's season coming to a uh, premature end, uh, also uh, I don't know if Phil's recovered yet, but One Division uh, came to an emotional end. Have you recovered, Phil? Just about. When, when one door closes and another one opens and all that. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the uh, the mention of the, the ship of Theseus. <laughs> Cue frantic googling by the whole population. <laughs> yeah, we, we will be uh, applying the ship of Theseus to uh, the Aston Villa team, uh, hopefully over the summer when they rebuild it yet again. Is it really the Villa team if it's been rebuilt? <laughs> Is this really Dean Smith's team if they've changed the players of the first 11? Is it really Grealish's team if he doesn't play for us anymore? All these questions to be answered next summer. When we come back from uh, now, now that the season's over and we've got to 40 points... And we've shown progress from last season. What more is there to achieve, people? What more is there to achieve? I did laugh when somebody on Twitter said the Sheffield United podcast was uh, typical, like, glass half empty. Well, we just got beat by 10 men. Bottom of the table team who can't buy a win. That have only scraped together 11 points. God's sake. The glass wasn't half empty. It was half full of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Bravo. Uh, anyway, 40 points. Uh, well, let's try to go on after 40 points. I mean, I'm, I'm still excited about 40 points. It's more than we could have dreamed of. Coming up in the show, we will uh, address the recent Villa news. 
whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> then in the three points, we uh, discuss Rangers winning the league for the first time in a thousand years. Also, uh, the demise of uh, Chinese champions and strange goings-on in football in China. We also look at a reverend's concern about building a football pitch near his church. There's something to hang on for. <laughs> Before we get into the, the discussion of the majestic, the, the, probably one of the most famous points in Aston Villa's history that secured that 40-point uh, target. Another season in the Premier League in the bank. Of all the nil-nils I've watched, that was, without a doubt, the most recent. <laughs> And then, uh, rounding off the show in overrated or underrated, we thought let's go for somebody contemporary who still has a pulse, or they didn't have much of a pulse in the game between uh, Villa and Wolves, uh, Mr. Adama Traore. Right, let's get into uh, this Villa news, apart from the, the headline news that we've got 40 points now. Big man may be coming back. He's in full contact training, so we may see him before the end of the season. Is he on the grass, David? Don't shut up. I'm, I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking that he'll he probably feature in a match day squad after the international break. I would have thought you would think they will. He'll probably play 23s this week. I'd have thought that he'll play at least a 23s and probably a behind closed doors game in the international break as well. So they'll yeah. try and get him. Maybe they'll build him up, get him like an hour, then 90, then 90 or something. They'll really try and push him through now. Yeah, but there's uh, there's a bit of time, uh, the international break. I mean, you know, I say it's uh, worked out well time-wise. Well, it hasn't really because, you know, there's Wesley when you need him, uh, probably needed him, I would say, ooh, about a month ago. I think yeah. we, we, we would have maybe had a bit of a different uh, points tally. More than wow. 40. Meanwhile, bluster from uh, Boris Johnson as he was talking about uh, football coming home in 2030 with a potential World Cup bid, uh, which would bring uh, Villa Park back in uh, the spotlight as a potential uh, venue. I don't see this really happening. Uh, I think UEFA are favouring uh, a Spain-Portugal uh, hosting. I mean, this, uh, the, the Boris Johnson one mentioned was... Uh, the UK and Ireland are hosting it. But the UEFA are allegedly tipping uh, Spain and Portugal. Meanwhile, FIFA are very much on uh, the China track. I remember the, about five years ago, I think when Dr. Tony was coming to Villa and I was kind of researching all the Chinese interest in European football and the Chinese PM was all about uh, China winning the World Cup in 2030. So that half of that was obviously trying to get the uh, tournament in the country. So I'd see that as probably the favourite without having read around the subject too much yeah fifa seem to like to take it to quote new territories don't they in, you know in terms of when they did it like japan and korea that was pretty groundbreaking and etc emerging nations. well the last two were bought so uh and obviously south africa and well when i when i say bought i mean uh, qatar and russia brown paper envelopes mm -hmm. allegedly maybe there's a few yen uh brown paper envelopes but i think uh the fact that england are hosting like the the final stages of the euros semi-finals and final yeah yeah it's it's a bit too much to uh expect that uh the world cup as well so soon i think the, the last their last campaign they really uh i mean they they didn't even get close did they when they brought out prince william and beckham and everybody so no. uh maybe they shouldn't have made that campaign they should have stalled it a little bit and uh pounced uh, a bit later anyway so i wouldn't expect to see the world cup at villa park in uh, 2030 jaden philogene bidas 
Appeared on the uh, the bench for the Villa Wolves game. Also signed uh, a new pro contract, keeping him at Villa Park until 2024. The fact that he was on the bench against Wolves shows you that uh, that's a contract that was worth making because he's in the uh, the fringes already. Yeah. Meanwhile, Manchester United uh, beat the Villa women's team 3-0 in a decidedly one-sided affair. Villa didn't actually, uh, well, they had 26 percent possession and didn't actually register a shot or corner in the game and remain four points above the uh, the drop zone before we go on uh, i just wanted to mention uh, on the my old man said patreon podcast channel that patrons have access to we're starting a new series called mom's short stories where if any listeners have had uh, let's say experiences with ex-villa players that are, that are on the funny side uh, do do drop me an email and uh, just find it in the bio of the, the twitter address and uh, tell me the story and we will uh, create a little show around it so we just did one uh, where alpi brought a computer while he was at villa and the shenanigans that ensued which was uh, quite amusing right let's move on to three points rangers have finally won a premier league trophy well the scottish version anyway it's the first time since the 2010 stroke 11 season when they won their third one on the trot and probably didn't expect celtic to win every one henceforth it was a time when ex-Wolves man uh, Kenny Miller was in the team. He finished uh, top scorer that season. I mean, the, half the uh, reason was just the fantastic collapse of Celtic, really. I've been awful, haven't they? Yeah. I haven't been close this year. Considering Rangers, obviously, had only come back into the league, hadn't they? What, a couple of seasons back? And then yeah. Celtic have just fallen by the wayside. But it's it's probably good for both of them to see it be a bit more competitive because Scottish football, since Rangers went down to the bottom tier, well, you know, while the Celtic fans laughed at it and yeah. took the piss out of the local rival, the only thing it did was make Celtic weaker and weaker progressively. Yeah, and uh, I mean, this and is and what normally speaks happens. speaks for yourself, it, in Europe. Mm-hmm. Having a strong enemy, quote marks, does help keep you on your toes, so to speak. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it stopped Celtic getting 10 in a row and sort of like restore balance to the world, keep them both in nine so that there's not too much trouble. And, <laughs> and But Celtic, it's funny you brought up ship of Theseus. Is it really Rangers if they got sort of dissolved and reformed? So it's another ship of Theseus one. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Stephen Gerrard uh, has taken the plaud. This is quite interesting. Uh, there was a bit of a backlash when uh, Lampard got sacked. People were saying, oh, uh, I think it was probably the media were saying, oh, this is the end of the marquee player turning straight into a manager routine, which uh, I thought that thinking was a bit harsh because, uh, you know, Lampard was going about it the right way, you know, managing Derby and then just the opportunity transpired. And what are you going to do in this position? Say no. It's a it's bit of a difficult one. I mean, too, too good to turn down, isn't it? I mean, in an ideal world, he'd have tried to get Derby up, really, because uh, that means you've passed, you know, the first test. But uh, Gerard, I thought, I mean, I think if you were like a top player and you wanted to get into management, I, I couldn't think of a better starting point than either Rangers or Celtic to manage one of those because a it's infinitely easier it's a two-horse race essentially you've got a chance of boosting your kudos straight away by winning honors if you're any good and away you go and uh, you know gerard set up nicely there and uh, you know when jürgen klopp gets fired after six yeah. consecutive anfield <laughs> losses I mean, he's not going to get fired, I'm joking, because uh, they're going to definitely win the next game, at, at league game at Anfield anyway. You would have thought so. You'd put your mortgage on <laughs> yeah. it, wouldn't you? 
Yeah, you probably put your mortgage on mm-hmm. it. They can't can't lose against the next team that's turning up at Anfield uh, in the league. But yeah, no. In terms of Gerard's uh, trajectory, trajectory, David. Yes, trajectory <laughs> to the Liverpool job. I think it's quite a good uh, a good start because it's it's a big club, isn't it? Historically, big club, big expectation. Um, yeah. And I think it's, it's it's the kind of sort of it's not such a sticky wicket that you know like Lampard maybe had you know it was it was win at all costs you know Gerrard's been able to go there and actually implement his style of play this is what I want a Steven Gerrard team to play like I think it's yeah. a little bit it's a little bit more difficult when you're trying to get out of the championship you just got to do it by any means necessary yeah that's I mean that's it's not easy uh, the path that uh, Lampard's gone down a with Derby and then b with uh, Chelsea where I mean I he'd still be in the job if I was uh, the owner of Chelsea because I thought you'd you'd have to give him time to uh a, learn the fucking job and B, you know, instill his philosophy and not just panic. Uh, I mean, you know, at the start of the season, people were tipping him to bloody win the Premier League. I mean, they spent a lot of money, isn't it? And I think with, you know, with investment comes expectation and dealing with that as a player is different to dealing with, as, with it as a manager when it's, you're relatively early in your career. But if I was the owner of that club, I wouldn't be uh, given a new manager in terms of one that's relatively inexperienced, a uh, shitload of cash just to no. burn straight away anyway meanwhile in china china in recent years have been uh, let's say splashing the cash and the players have to go to russia there's there's kind of a mercenary uh pathway there's russia there's uh, qatar and china are on a similar level and uh one of their leading clubs they're former champions are they not reigning champions yeah reigning champions they're out of business haven't they is it adios yeah, just liquidated, gone. Zhangzhou, and they recently uh, had Fabio Capello as uh, as manager, and they've spent almost eighty Serious million, money. eighty million euros on a couple of Brazilians. I mean, uh, makes our Brazilians look like chump change. Uh, Alex uh, Tazaria and uh, Ramirez for fifty million and twenty eight million, uh, respectively, and. Uh, Go back uh, a summer or two, 2019, they were actually, they came close to getting in bail, didn't they? Gareth Bale. Yeah, seemed to be all agreed. And then Madrid just at the end thought, no, we'll, we'll hold on to them just in case. Yeah, so what's the situation? There's, there's apparently the 16 clubs in the top three divisions that have collapsed in the last year, have they not? The bubble is bursting in it, quite simply. It was propped up by the Chinese government because we, we had those rumours with Dr. Tony as well, I mean, it, that the money was coming from the Chinese government. And yeah. they've just decided to, it, it's almost like a, on a whim, they've just decided, no, we, uh, we don't like all these teams, you know, trying to spend their way. We, we want grassroots. So, I mean, when uh, as along with the pandemic and revenue not coming in via the match going crowds, it's just, it's just been a complete rethink. But... I mean, imagine being a fan of that club if you were if you were just starting out, just gone. Your team is just gone. You know, blink of blink of an eye. Yeah, because uh, this there was the dream of the the prime minister was to win the World Cup, as I mentioned earlier on in uh, twenty thirty, and uh, the realization that's not going to happen has just caused an, an implosion because they've got shares in is it Atletico Madrid, some in uh, it's Enter Sunning. Sooning on Enter in the same way, so yeah. that was why Enter fans were panicking in case they get liquidated. Yeah, that's right. So it's, it's something uh, that may snowball on in other areas. So uh, keep an eye. Yeah, Atletico Madrid top of the La Liga, and suddenly they're liquidated before they get to win the league. Inter Milan top of Serie. I mean, that would be a story, yeah. wouldn't it? May two and two of the top teams in Europe don't get to win the league because uh, they've been liquidated. Right. Uh, point number three. Who's whose is this one? I, it's got to be Phil Shaw's. <laughs> it's got to be this one, isn't it? <laughs> Just, Elderly Park Reverend 
Alderley Park. Where is this place? I don't know. <laughs> I, th- I thought it's got to be an island, surely. No. <laughs> do, you, do, you think, do you think? Do you think we, we really care about swearing over here? No. <laughs> Macclesfield. Elderly Park Reverend has raised concerns over plans to build a football pitch near his church over fears of loud swearing and the noise of football. What, the thud of boot on leather? What he has says, he says that the sounds of whistle-blowing, crowd-shouting and individual people-shouting, often in a state of heightened emotion, can cause loud swearing. And he says, despite the presence of trees and vegetation, the sounds from the proposed football pitch would carry, and particularly so in the winter, which is the football season when the trees have shed their leaves. So he's, he's put a lot of thought into this. Yeah, he needs uh, he needs to get some uh, evergreen trees, I think, to uh, block out the uh, the sound of the swearing. At least we know what to buy him for Christmas. Let's just get him some bows, noise-cancelling <laughs> headphones. Yeah, so he can do his sermons in peace. Right, uh, let's move on to the big game that got us the big point, that got us to 40 points. Villa versus Wolves going into this game. I mean, ultimately, it was a chance to double Wolves with no Grealish. And having seen uh, them fail against Sheffield United so spectacularly, I had Wolves down as the favourites for this. Yeah, uh, I did, to be honest. Because they were getting back uh, to some form. I mean, they're still a bit patchy. But they're, let's say they're better than they were at the start of the season, uh, largely. There are no mugs in the midfield department, and that's that's where Villa are struggling. So I was when, I see, when you see Matinho and Ruben Neves in there, you're just thinking to yourself, that's, that's, could, could be a long night if the two of them get their foot in the ball and start dictating things. Yeah, you thought actually the matchup might not uh, work out so well for Villa. But uh, in terms of the first half, uh, Villa very much uh, bossing it, and it was one of those where eh, we're not taking our chances here. This could be anonymous because Wolves are a renown as a more of a second half team. I mean, what was your first thoughts uh, and, and what was working for us in that first half? Well, we, we started quickly, didn't we? We had a, we, you thought from the sort of the first 10 minutes, Villa have got a bit of energy here. We're getting the ball down, moving it quickly. Obviously, Smith has said, Wolves don't start well, get on top of them early. Obviously, I think Watkins had the, the really good turn snapshot that hit the bar, which was a you know, really good piece of play. Obviously, Konza has the, the big chance when it comes to yeah. him at the back back post. And you think you've, you've got to score there, but it's that's, Two bits of bad luck, but at that point you're thinking, oh, fucking hell, you've hit the bar twice before half time. Is this going to be another one of those nights? Martinez has had very little to do. Yeah, I keep mentioning uh, in Match Club, um, this, you know, we, you just referred to Konza being unlucky there. The point I made there was really you need more of a return from your centre-backs when it turns to goals if, if you are to be considered a, a successful team. I mean, back in, I mean, the great example would be uh, Alan Evans and Ken McNaught back uh, when Villa won the league. They, you know, they chipped in a decent amount of goals. I mean, you kind of expect in, you know, maybe five or six each from set plays and corners. And I think Mings and Konza got early goals in the season, but they haven't yeah, really they uh, this year really kind of backed that up. No, I mean, we're, we're, we're second in the table for hitting the woodwork as well. Mad. Yeah. Which, at the end of the day, hitting the woodwork is the same as hitting row Z in, in, in the stand behind the goal. You don't get, you, you don't get a goal. You can call no, it unlucky. Yeah. but Yeah, and that's happened 15 times, of which I think seven times has been Watkins. Yeah, which, uh, I mean, it's kind of astonishing in its own, own fact. But we've seen some poor finishing by, I mean, let's go back to the centre-backs, whether it's, you know, Courtney Horse's headering, where he can win headers like there's no tomorrow, but directing headers is another matter. <laughs> you know, we joke that he's got a 50p head. Uh, Certainly Conza, in front of goal he has. 
Yeah, Konza definitely should have uh, had one against the Wolves. Uh, and this is what I mean. When, you, when you're when you struggling in other departments for goals, it's always handy to have uh, your centre-backs chipping in. And this would be an example of a game that perhaps one of you know our centre-backs, i.e. in this case, Konza, could have got us uh, the three points. Well, he could have had two, couldn't he? He had two, 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 two of our biggest chances of the game, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just something something about them. It's they're, they're trying to smash the net. I mean, like just a bit of a subtlety. Or, uh, the first one was on the stretch, but the second one certainly he blazed it like high and high, wide and handsome. You'd say, yeah. uh, at the end. Yeah, I think with the second, certainly with the second one. Again, he's done the hard work, similar similar to the one he had at Sheffield United. And you thought if he hits the target from that range, it's in. Yeah, he just has to hit the target, even if it's close to the goal, it'll go through him. Well, one thing I I wonder is, are the two centre halves in the way of someone that you want to be in there? Should somebody else? be in there maybe one of them just go in i mean in the box for uh attacking free kicks and attacking corners are they taking up a position instead of are they the end point of the move instead of being sort of the the middle sort of the, the bridging point should should the ball be crossed in and then mings or cons will be heading it back across or heading it to you know Watkins yeah, for, or anybody yeah. in the middle instead of them being the final point for somebody at the second phase essentially yeah, but uh, we're, we've only got one striker for the second phase. <laughs> but no, but yeah, we, we 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 look pretty good at halftime, and you, you were kind of thinking, well, if we if we play like this, we'll be all right in this game. And I'm sure Smith was probably saying more of the same plays in the second half. I think we played well. I know he he mentioned about you know Villa had set some pretty good traps actually, and Wolves had a couple of little moments and they got some good possession. But generally speaking, I didn't think they looked particularly great. I thought Sanson had had a pretty good half. He looked very tidy in possession. Yeah, I don't necessarily think our wide men were that effective. But big noticing thing for me both in the first half and actually in the second, even though Wolves um, vastly improved, was El Mohamedy actually didn't have a difficult game and I thought he would be completely targeted. I thought Wolves would be getting him one-on-one with Traore as much as they could and he actually had a pretty routine afternoon's work. It was bizarre. Yeah, the, I mean, uh, after the first half, I, I, I thought, well, Wolves aren't going to get any worse than they were in the first half. So. No. And then you're thinking, yeah, it's the old classic ruining missed chances. But yeah, in terms of Truro and Elmo, the, I think Neto had a lot more joy down the uh, the yeah, right-hand side. He looked pretty lively, to be fair. And he, all he does is kick the ball forward and just, with a burst of pace, just relies on his pace, doesn't he? He's not doing anything tricky. He's just uh, burning people off. And Mings yeah. a few times had to come across to uh, cover target because he'd been burnt for pace. Mm-hmm. And Mings, Mings actually did very well there in terms of stifling Neto. Yeah, he did. And then, of course, you know, you get to you go into the second half, and within about five or ten minutes, you think, "Oh, hang on a minute, Villa haven't come out for the second half here." Yeah, it, it was kind of noticeable straight away that Nuno had obviously got into them. Whether they'd had a slight change of um, you know tactics or shape, etc., I don't know. But certainly, you know, Neves, Martino, they started putting their foot on the ball and actually playing the way they can. And Wolves dominated possession a lot in the second half. We was, we just couldn't get out. So I think San- Sanson in the first half um, gave us a little bit more control than we perhaps have had in yeah. uh, recent games. But uh, yeah, he, suddenly he was. He was a passenger, wasn't he? Uh, once Wolves started to uh, take control, I think, yeah, I think so. And I think he just ran out of steam. I mean, Smith said he was Premier League ready and probably was deserving of getting a start. But I have, a, I, I wonder if him coming off pretty much on the money on sixty minutes was a premeditated thing that he said, "I'm going to give him an hour today, and then I'll give Barkley half an hour." It kind of suggested that he wanted to make that change anyway. And then you, you've McGinn, McGinn, who put in a decent first half performance, was yeah, one did. of his best first half. And the second half, I don't even remember seeing him in the second half. That was, yeah, that they was... all they all got run on top of, mm-hmm. didn't they, by Wolves? All three of them, like Louise as well. He had a difficult afternoon, especially in the second half. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. 
Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Because when you're looking at subs, you're thinking, well, you know, if you want to get a bit more offensive and try to win this game, despite as being an overrun, you bring on Barkley. But then you're thinking, well, we've got a more energetic lineup to uh, cater for the Wolves midfield. So maybe you lose something bringing Barkley on. But then you, you're thinking, well, they're getting overrun anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> get him on and uh it was good to see him on 60 minutes rather than any later uh, as was the criticism against Sheffield United but Barkley had 15 touches in 30 minutes I mean if you want to clutch at stats there's a key pass in there but I don't you know it, it's he, he if you want to sum it up he had pretty much zero influence on uh, getting Villa over the line there and and trying to etch out a win out of nowhere yeah zero positive influence or was, there was one uh negative influence he nearly yeah. contributed to oh god I mean we might, yeah it's a, a nice segue Phil when he, that moment where he somehow manages to pass the ball back into his own bloody penalty area when we've cleared it you think what on earth are you doing and you know both those two Wolves chances I mean they were probably worse misses than ours really ours were generally I'd say a bit more unlucky you know, the Sias one and then the second Cody one where Martinez makes a brilliant save but let's be yeah. frank he has no right making a save there you should be the net, you know, the net should be rippling there, and the first one when it comes, it comes off the post and size puts it over, and that's going to go down as probably one of, yeah. if not the miss of the season. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Not enough media coverage of that size miss at all. That that's horrific. I mean, it's harder to miss. How you can even get the ball up and over from the the goal line over the bar? That's unbelievable. It's that old cliche, and he probably couldn't do that again if he tried. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in terms of Barkley giving the ball away, Villa midfield were doing that quite frequently in the first half I noticed they, did, didn't they? they were very very sloppy I mean it's easy to single out a player for something like that every player you know has a bad touch but the, my grudge with Barkley in this game in particular was he wasn't getting on the ball and actually you know influencing the where the game was going and and not doing what he, you know, what it says on the tin, really. When you when you get somebody like Ross Barkley and pay him top dollar wages. No, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want a single one player out, particularly in this game, or even necessarily Sheffield United, because I actually thought both games were pretty similar in that the second half we just run out of ideas and we were just so ineffective. But with Barkley, the the, the sort of the, the narrative that will run while Jack's not in the team is if Jack doesn't play, Barkley's meant to be your creative spark, and in terms of his age, he is one of the more senior players. Yeah. Certainly in terms of stature and the level he's played at, et cetera, et cetera. And you wouldn't think he was an established Premier League player in England internationally. He looked like a young lad who was just trying to scratch around to 
well, he's scratching around for form, obviously, but do you know what I mean? You're, you're looking for that person to really, not necessarily be like a captain, but really drive the team, grab, grab the game by the scruff of the neck in the same way that Neves does or Martino does for Wolves. They yeah. were like, no, give me the ball, give me the ball, I'll take responsibility. And that's been a bit of a theme that we haven't really mentioned much of the last few weeks without Jack, but it's it's that thing of who's taking responsibility with the ball? Because I think Mings and Konza do it really well at the back in terms of they take responsibility on the defensive side, but you need somebody offensively to go, right, I'm the main man today. What you just said, the, the old cliche of uh, scruff of the neck is exactly what you wanted from Barkley when he came onto the pitch. Yeah, and a bit of nous. That was our only hope to, uh, let's, say, let's say, turn the tide here. Yeah, because it was frustrating because I actually thought it was two kind of similar teams with, with you know, in many ways, you know, two sort of sides, relatively mid-table, a little bit spluttering form-wise and probably without their best attacking players. But defensively, I thought we were still, generally speaking, pretty good. I thought Wolves were there to be got at defensively. So, uh, I mean, the next substitutes, I mean, we're talking, we're, we're now in the last, the last 10 minutes. Uh, Davis comes on for Trezeguet and Ramsey comes on for Truro. So you could look at it one way and go, well, we've just brought on... Big man or or Davis, which obviously he's not brought on for this. What I'm just about to say, and he's taken off the two wide men in terms of who would deliver am- ammunition. But I don't think he's brought on Davis for that. Has as has he? He's really brought him on to try to get the ball to stick up top a bit more. Yeah, he's there to be a target man, and that's one thing you have to give Davis credit for. He is good for that, but you need the team to be working around him. He needs to go into feet. He needs to. And and, and the problem is, I think we've seen with a few of these guys that are coming in from the fringes. We're now seeing the downside of these guys not playing much earlier in the season. That they, it's kind of like you're dusting off the cobwebs from these guys because they haven't been involved. So they're not not necessarily that they're not match fit, but they're not match sharp. They're not they're not up to the pace of the way we want to play, or indeed the you know a full not a full strength full team. But I mean Wolves in in full flow, the game's just going to pass them by, and it did. Yeah, they lead Yeah, no, but yeah, but these players aren't going to get in the first eleven earlier on. So it's uh, you know what can you do. No, if, if Wesley had been fit, ideally Davis, you would have said, would have went out on loan and got some, some minutes under his belt because he just looks like every time he comes on that he's either trying too hard or the whole thing passes him by. There was one moment where he got the ball, he, he, he used his strength well and the, the pitch opened up for him. And instead of you know driving towards the net and maybe getting a shot off or something like that, he just seemed to run down into the left wing channel and then three or four Wolves players around him and another Villa player. Yeah, he ran, he ran into trouble, didn't he? Yeah. It's a bit strange because it's not something you normally see him do. Normally, he's actually, or generally speaking, when he's been in relatively good form, he's um he's quite direct. He just gets his head down and goes, go on then, carry it. And, and people just bounce off him, which you, we didn't see. I mean, my appraisal of him, he's, he's got the ability and perhaps more ability and strength than we first thought when he when he broke into the team. Uh, but the thing is that I've always... I've always tried to find in him. He just hasn't got that predatory nature or, or really that fire because he should be coming on 10 minutes to go and the fans should be going, oh, Davis is coming on. He's going to give him hell for 10 minutes and batter them. But he comes on and, and he's like the gentle giant. You know, the, you just look in his face and he, you know he's not revved up to uh, give him anything, you know, to think about really. There's no fire there. Mm-hmm. And, and you know he needs a bit more shit house about him, or just, just aggression in general. Yeah, yeah aggression. Yeah, that's a better word. Feed him raw meat or something just before he gets on. It just needs something <laughs> to. He does. He just needs like the sparks. He needs something to go for him, and then maybe it'll be different. Yeah, this is probably the longest he stayed off the treatment table. Yeah, there was a lot of reaction to the game about how bad Villa were, and I, in isolation, I don't necessarily think a draw against Wolves is the worst result. But I think it was it was the the leftovers of the frustration of the Sheffield United game. You know, if you if you've gone to Leeds and won, 
Europe equity-wise. And then if you go to Sheffield and get the result, you're as expected. You've got six points from the week. If you then get a draw against Wolves, you go, okay, fair enough. Seven points out of nine from seven days is a pretty good week And then beat Newcastle and, you know. Exactly. And, and you've it's got a good momentum. Run. Exactly. Whereas because you've lost your momentum at Sheffield, a draw against Wolves, all of a sudden everyone's like, well, you've got to go to Newcastle and win now. If you want to, if you're looking up the table, because all of a sudden Spurs have put a run together, other teams are winning games. Yeah, but I think as I said uh, before the Sheffield United game, we we really needed to build a foundation for talk of higher up in the league in Europe, or whatever you want to phrase it. And uh, we are where we are now. To flunk out at Sheffield United and then you know not beat Wolves, which in isolation is no big deal. The draw is a fair result. Just shows you where we're going to end up this season and uh, the gap's going to grow and uh, yeah. you know both both Villa and Wolves will be uh, nestling in for mid-table yeah it was just frustrating but it was it was a completely fair result and it's, there's, there's not been that many times when we've said that this season we thought yeah do you know what we didn't we did probably didn't do enough to win and we were wasteful in front of goal so were they two very even teams over 90 minutes take the point and move on yeah if you want the glass half empty podcast it's uh <laughs> It's four goals in the last seven games and Villa didn't register a shot on target until the 92nd minute of, of this one after only having one shot on target against Sheffield United. Now, this is a this is more concern now because there's actually a theme here and uh, this is something that Smith obviously has to address. I mean, do we just sit around waiting for Grealish to solve it? I think, you know, on his Instagram post, he... Uh, put up a little uh, sand timer which suggests he might be back for that Newcastle game but I don't think you can sit around waiting uh, for him you've got it you've got to get it right so that when he slots back in he elevates you mm-hmm. yeah and it is a concern because he is part of those seven games also uh, yeah. where we've only scored four goals yeah 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 I think David you, you said it as like you've had a taste of what could have been when beating Liverpool double over Arsenal and you'd think it would be the same for the players they've had a taste they've had all the hype and social media and everything else you know blowing smoke up them you'd think yeah I want, I want to carry on I want to, I want more of this and it's just yeah. the last the last few games it's like they're they're not doing very much wrong it's just they're not the they don't have the well. They don't have the hunger to, to keep getting, keep going, to keep getting the, yeah. that praise. There's too, there's too many there's too many sixes and sevens out of tens. When when we were beating Liverpool, it was seven eights and nines pushing tens. Some because people, you know, it's that it's that extra level up. The back line they they have a sense of pride. What they're doing. I mean, fourteen clean sheets now, which is pretty astonishing. And and you you can see it. You know, Mings is on a mission pretty much every game now, as is his cohorts in the back four. And and Martinez is wired in to get as many clean sheets as possible. So it's a real shame that we're not actually taking advantage of that further up the pitch because uh, the foundation from the defence is there to win games one nil. If you only. Know, Got to do score yeah, one. Yeah, I, I, I was just, I was just going to say the, the way we're playing defensively. You think if we score, we'll win this game against most teams, bar yeah. bloody Burnley. Especially if we score first. And you know, we beat Wolves if we score once against Sheffield United. We don't lose. I think if we scored once, they'd probably get another one. But yeah. uh, but it is a shame to waste this. And uh, and we were joking about the forty points being a game set and match for the season. But you can see that this is a missed opportunity more so than, uh, you know, it's progress, of course. I mean, we've said it a few times, haven't we? It's like, at some point, you're going to have to just draw a line under last season. In the, You know, we, we all know the narrative is the curve is going up, it's positive, we've progressed, etc., etc. But in the here and now, from where we've been, we have set the bar. And I'm like a fucking broken record at the minute because we've set the bar high. It's not the ship of Theseus either because we've replaced half of that team that just yeah. barely uh, escaped relegation. We are a different team this season. We are a much better team. We are probably a, a stronger squad ship. as well. 
Yeah, and mm. I'm, I'm, I'm probably off the field. <laughs> We're in a much leaner, meaner shape. I think Smith's you know, smarter for last season. They've all learned, and it's like you've set the bar high. You've got to maintain standards, and they're just – sorry, but this side of Christmas, they're not maintaining standards. Speaking of maintaining standards, it's time for overrated or underrated. <laughs> Right, change of pace, actually. Uh, we've got somebody who uh, is actually... He's rapid. St- <laughs> he's, he's still in rapid. circulation, and he's wears baby oil, and he's rather fast. Mr. Adoma Trore, the first question you've got to ask is why? Why the baby oil? <laughs> but no, it's more seriously, why did Villa sign him? Moneyball, baby. I mean, this is deep, deep stats to moneyball him, but... Uh, as a raw prospect, I thought uh, I thought it was a good catch. I mean, forget the Barcelona tag. The first time you saw him play, you were like, "Fucking hell, he's raw!" But at the same time, you thought, "Fucking hell, he's fast." <laughs> and yeah, big. I remember seeing one of his first games. I think we played. I want to say it was Notts County. Oh, not the only the early round of the League Cup, and uh, and he was, everyone was just like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" He was absolutely lightning, but he was like, you know, normally quick players are sort of small, nippy and like yeah. rockets. This guy was like just stocky and strong. It was just like, wow. Just people bouncing off him. Yeah. And- I hadn't seen a player like that in a Villa shirt, to be honest, that, that kind of strength. The only person who was even close was someone like Dalian Atkinson, who was like, he was strong as well as being yeah. quick. Because I thought at that stage, considering his age, and he was, was he still a teenager, wasn't he? 20? Yeah, he was young. You had to uh, take your hats off to the scouting team, even though they were much derided at the time. I mean... Uh, yeah, you almost thought, how on earth have we got this guy? What, where's the catch? There is the argument that that uh, crop of players from Verity to Amavi to Drissa Gay... We'll, we'll just leave out Rüdiger Stead. And we'll leave out what, uh, <laughs> Les Scott and uh, Richards, yeah? <laughs> but uh, in terms of overseas imports, in hindsight, pretty good. But this guy at the time, we were struggling... We needed something, and every fucking week was the same. Lackluster. Troy had a few injuries here and there, but there was times that he was actually fit, but they just considered him too raw. And it's like, well, what else is there? What's happening on the pitch gives us no chance of winning. You know, for if nothing else, you know, get him on the bench, bring him on for the last ten minutes, last last yeah. twenty minutes, warm up the crowd for their trip home. Yeah, it's like a missile of being mutually assured destruction. Somebody's getting some, some damage <laughs> going to be done when you put him in the pitch. <laughs> yeah, because you, you witness you witness that goal. Traore when he just went through the Sunderland team, crossed it in, and Carlos Gil did an overhead kick, and suddenly it's like Brazil nineteen seventy stroke nineteen eighty two team. Still lost the game, mind. Yeah. <laughs> But it's an underrated <laughs> moment. I mean, in terms of oh, just p- pure dynamic skill, technique, execution. And athleticism on both on both their parts. <laughs> Unexpectedness, surprise, un- unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really thought it was going to be like our version of Kinchelska. When I first seen that pace, I just went, this is unbelievable. But I mean, you, you knew Gabby, but at the time Gabby had lost a yard or two. But, you know, it was, even, five. Quicker, uh, yeah, it was, it was even quicker than he was when he burst onto the scene. Yeah, I mean, if you saw the YouTube clip of uh, Traore burning through the Sunderland team Carlos Hill overhead kick you're thinking as a neutral if you know nothing about Premier League how how many points did this team win the league by (laughs) (laughs) and then you realise how how far adrift at the bottom were they (laughs) yeah it's, 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 it's insane you can have a moment like that and finish up where we did but there was something going on behind the scenes there I mean there's a a story that I heard like inside story was uh, when Sherwood watched him for the first time. He was like, what, what is that? 
because I just thought he was a bit of a headless chicken in terms of football IQ. You know, there was none there. Well, he was just quick. He was yeah, just a weapon but, to be used, wasn't he? And, you know, you know, go back to Gabby. Uh, he admitted himself that, you know, he was just quick in the early years and that was it. And, uh, you know, O'Neill, even when it got to O'Neill, uh, he just liked him because he was quick and they had to learn on the job in terms of shooting. But you got to remember, this is somebody who's uh, 19 when he was at Villa and you're thinking if you teach him how to play football, just the raw power of him and the speed, you've, you've got you've got a weapon there. And in terms of he doesn't have to be your starting 11 man, he's just somebody who comes on and, you know, the, the opposition shit themselves. And this well, is makes, something... He makes the opposition play differently. Yeah, it's tools. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a different weapon. It's, it gives you variety. It gives you options. It gives you a threat in another way. Mm-hmm. But I think he just fell foul. Suddenly you had a Villa team... Uh, imploding and he was really too young to to throw in at that stage i mean the fact that i was saying just throw him on you know get him on wasn't because uh you know he, he was a great player and he would uh, help us it was just like hey we were a lost cause and uh he was there for entertainment let him join you know let him l- learn on the job and i think that was the problem with ultimately with him he was somebody we needed uh to like nurture for a good you know, three seasons to get him into uh, somebody who's in an effective member of the match day squad. And as soon as you drop, it, you know, it's panic stations and it's a different ball game, isn't it? Yeah. He wasn't ready at that age to help us in the championship. I mean, he could have been, he could have been devastating, couldn't he? Yeah. I mean, I think if he was a couple of more seasons on or even a season on, if he had a, let's say 30 games under his belt of English football, then uh, he would have been devastating in that league. Strangely enough, when we swapped him and he went to Middlesbrough with uh, Adoma coming the other way, it, it took uh, Tony Pillis to sort of teach him how to play English football, if you want to put it like that. <laughs> yeah, in the championship. <laughs> yeah. What a strange mentor to have for <laughs> going from Barcelona B to Tony Pillis. <laughs> in Middlesbrough. But that, that was an interesting transfer, actually. This is a real case of short-term versus long-term. We went for the short-term, and I think it paid off ultimately. Adoma was good when he for a couple of years, I thought. Adoma was good. You can't really grumble about that uh, transfer at the end of the day. Not at the time. And who, who would have, I think, and the Villa fans, generally speaking, I know I was one of them who said when we got rid of him, it was like, do you know what? He might go on and be a player, but right now we don't need this. This, you know, this is pretty, pretty pointless. If you can get money or you can get him out, fair enough. He was, he'd kind of been lumped in with that team that had got relegated, probably unfairly, but. Yeah, I mean, if, if you bounce back straight away and you kept him, then happy days. Yeah, and, you never know. Uh, you? you can start developing again. Imagine him playing in the under twenty threes team. <laughs> <laughs> he would score forty goals a season just by him running and, in a straight and, uh, line. <laughs> him and Russian Hepburn Murphy. Just let him take the kick off and just run in a straight line towards goal. I mean, they're just going to be bouncing off him. It was a great signing for long-term planning, I think, but we dive-bombed into uh, the championship. And then he got his big move back to the Premier League in the end anyway when you know, when Wolves came into him and obviously Middlesbrough had you know, failed to um, to get promoted. Obviously, well, we'd beat them in the playoffs, didn't we? But I think if we had him in our squad now, I think we're laughing, really. It'd be, it'd be an interesting option, wouldn't it? Yeah, in, in sort of small, concentrated bursts. I mean, that first season he had in the Premier League, all the Premier League defenders were like, "Who the fuck is this guy? Isn't this the guy who went down with Villa the other year?" And he just he just ran riot, didn't he? In and then he's small gone. moments, <laughs> yeah. Because you know, thinking about it, you know, again, like in the Wolves game, we've just spoken about you bringing on Keenan Davis for the last ten minutes, or you're bringing on Adoma Traore. You, you know, you suddenly pumped when he comes on. Yeah, 
and you think, oh, we've got a chance here. At least we're going to get some excitement for 10 minutes. He's an interesting one, isn't he? He's, he's one of those really enigmatic players who he can have real moments of genius and can is a genuine game changer, but so yeah, often he can be he a just, match he just, winner. He just drifts out of games, and I think he must be, he must be a really frustrating player for who you know whatever club he's at because you think what he can do on his day, but you see it so infrequently. I mean, I've every time I've seen him when he's come back to Villa Park and even you know, the, the game over the weekend, he hasn't really done anything. But, I mean, this is still early in his uh, career in terms of his age. But uh, when we beat Middlesbrough at their patch, and then they came back to ours, we were thinking, right, we've got it. I mean, they, they only had one threat, didn't they? Because they were yeah. so all about getting men behind the ball because it was Pulis, so it was all about him, but. Hutton dealt with Pocket, him. Pocketed him. Mm-hmm. Easy job. And, you know, he's not the greatest marker in the world, old uh, Hutton. But we didn't even, we did, I remember that because we didn't even play particularly well that night. Oh, we were terrible, but we didn't mm-hmm. need to be anything more. It was Bruce Ball at its finest that night. If that game carried on for f- over four days, it would still be nil nil. <laughs> anyway, uh, Truray, where is he now, as we like to ask? Elmo's back pocket. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think Elmo's doing well because he was kind of going to. He was meeting him rather yeah, than he was, he was uh, getting him early. backing off. Yeah, because he knew if he let him run at him, he would be toast. Yeah, there was talk of Liverpool being interested in him at uh, one stage. I think it was last season or this. I think, I think he, if he was going to go, he probably should have gone last season. I still think he might have a big move in him, but I think that the really big clubs are going to look at him and go, oh, "Is he a banker? He might be very expensive for not a lot of end product." Yeah, well, he seems to have a foot sort of a foot out the door at Wolves already. They're already talking about knocking the price down from this summer. There's rumours, so who knows where he'll end up? Yeah, it seems like they want to if they're going to get money for him, get rid of him sooner rather than later. While we've got some budget, right? Anyway, the big question: When he was at Villa, Troy underrated or overrated? I'm gonna go underrated for a change. I think I I would still have him at Villa. I, just for most of the reasons we've said, bring him on, just do demolition and then tidy up the mess afterwards. Yeah, based, based purely on the, the season we had him, which was the year we went down, you thought, for God's sake, put him in the team, at least give me something to smile about. At least he's fun yeah. to watch. So I'm going to say underrated, just for purely entertainment value. Yeah, I'm I'm going for underrated. Uh, I mean, ultimately, it's it, it's a hard one because of it, he was let, you know used to leverage the uh, Adoma transfer, but ultimately, if you're buying a 19-year-old... He's not somebody you put front and centre and blame for relegation. He's somebody who you're you're drip feeding in. And, uh, you know, the last couple of years would have been when he uh, was actually effectively part of the first 11. So I'm going to go underrated as well. He was just victim of circumstance, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Right. Anyway, uh, before we go, I just want to give a big thanks to the uh, My Old Man Said patrons for supporting the show, especially uh, Mr. Rakshav Chandigarh for signing up as a patron and also Mr. Charming Man and Mike Sabovic for becoming annual patrons. Uh, If you sign up annually, you get two months free, which is uh, around 15% off. And when you become a MyOmanso patron, you get access to the Patreon Extra podcast channel where we have various different shows from my solo one off the record to the Mad Few to Mom's Short Stories. And then another show uh, which is incoming that I'm not going to mention because it just winds people up when I I mention that it's coming and (laughs) it doesn't appear. But it's getting there, people. It's getting there. And also, last but certainly not least, uh, you have access to the exclusive club that is Match Club. 
Some call it therapy. Some call it a rollicking good night out. Where Depends you on the jo- day of the week, doesn't it? Yeah, we, we prefer these weekend matches where we actually win. These midweek shenanigans. Uh, that's when it's therapy. At the weekend, it's more of a... Uh, yeah, that's when it really feels like hump day, doesn't it? More of a party, but uh, we get together for the match before half time after the game so uh, do sign up uh, support the show and website and uh, join the inner circle right so uh, also uh, do uh, subscribe to the show and whatever podcast app that you listen to so you get notifications for when it pops spread the word you know if you see the tweet on uh, twitter for the uh, the new episode do uh, give it a retweet to help it get to uh, like-minded people and uh, spread the good word right any closing words as we get out of here on to newcastle mm-hmm. away the lads right until next time it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.